If you are visiting with us, let us say how wonderful it is to have you with us, and hopefully you have gotten one of our visitor's packs. Inside that pack, you should have seen an, an attendance card. If you'll pass those in the aisles at this time, we'll have some gentlemen come by and pick those up so that we can have a record of your attendance. I hope it is that you have picked up a bulletin this morning. It might be handy for you. There's going to be a series of questions that you'll find where generally my article is and uh, a place for a signature, but we'll get to that here in just a moment. There's an interesting idea with the word great because God uses that particular word uh, to mean different things depending on how you look at things. For example, there was a great victory had by the nation of Israel when David came out to defeat Goliath. Right? All right. That is true. There was a great defeat to be had when Goliath was overthrown. See, it depends which side of the coin you see to find out if it's a great day or a terrible day. Even God himself would use the phrase, great and terrible day of the Lord, even as he speaks about what happens uh, with mankind throughout the Bible. And there is a great day coming. That great day for us is known as the judgment day. No matter what it is that you think about the Bible, whether you are for it or, or against it, no matter what you think of it as being real or fictitious, there is still a great day coming. No matter how you live, no, no matter what rule of thumb you live by, whether that is I'm going to do everything that I can for me, or whether it is I'm going to do everything that I can for you, or whether it is that I'm going to have the greatest family or the worst family, whether I'm going to treat my family uh, terribly or, or wonderfully, however I decide to live my life, there is still a great day coming. No matter how many zeros are on the, that check that you get from your employer or how many zeros there are not, there is still a great day coming. No matter what you live in or where you live or how you live, no matter those things, there's still a great day that is on the horizon for all of us. No matter how I feel about what God has said within His Word about that great day coming. No matter if, if I believe that with all of my heart and I begin to live my life so that it will reflect God's Word or I look at that book, throw it in the trash, say it's no good and continue walking however I want to, there is still a great day coming. No matter if I look at this book and the inspired words on its pages and say, that's the silliest thing I've ever read. How can a person live that way? That's simply a book of no's. 
No matter if I take this book and apply those words, and live a life that would glorify God, there's still a great day coming. And there's not thing one that you and I can do to stop it. That day was set in stone by God Himself. And as a matter of fact, if we want to know something about that great day, we should really open God's Word and reflect in it because there are several places that tell us about it. Even to start with Psalm chapter 1 and verse number 5, or even go to Amos chapter 5, verse 21, those dealing with that judgment of mankind that is to come, or Matthew chapter 5, or Matthew chapter 7, or Matthew chapter 27, or John chapter 5, or Hebrews, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, 1 John, Jude. Go back to the book of Ecclesiastes. The last two verses... Those last two verses in the book of Ecclesiastes would tell us this. (laughs) I can tell you the entirety of human existence in two verses. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole of man. For God will bring every secret thing into judgment, whether it be good or evil. God has said, you better be re- You may not be ready for tomorrow at work. You may not be ready having your uh, lunches prepared or your uh, mind mentally ready to go back to work, but you better be ready for that day. Acts chapter 17 would remind us of that day. 2 Thessalonians will remind us of that day. 1 Corinthians and Romans will remind us of that day that is coming and is coming even quicker today than it was yesterday. As I was driving up here, I happened to stop my radio on some talk, news, something I didn't care. Somebody was talking to me. And it was a doctor on there. I guess he was selling something. I didn't get to the end to hear that. But he would uh, be able to guarantee you 100 years. Let me be real honest with you. I don't think I want to live 100 years. But what if I live 200 years? Or even 300? What if I outlived Methuselah? That day is still coming. The end. And you had better be ready for it. And as a matter of fact, even the one who occupies this pulpit had better be ready for it. So let's take a moment and look at this idea of this great day. Number one, you need to understand, you need to know this, you need to file this away on something you will never forget or write this down on something you will never lose, but you need to understand this. You're going to be asked one question. One simple question. And that one question is going to be dealing with your faithfulness to Him. Don't miss out on that one day that is coming. He's going to say, were you faithful? Look, if you will, back to Matthew chapter 25, where Michael began reading so wonderfully for us, beginning about verse 31 through 46. That that, that particular passage is, is very familiar to us. As we look at it, 
We understand uh, Jesus will go through and ask, why did you not fulfill these needs? And that one group will say, well, we never saw those things. Ask that other group, why did you fulfill those needs? And he said, well, because we saw there was a need. You didn't notice this from Matthew chapter 25. Because God never requires the world to do the church's job. Because that is the fact. Matthew 25, 31 through 46, in my best estimation, is dealing with the church. Us. Now, go back then and read through Matthew 25, 31 through 46 again. You're going to see that God says there's some of us who are meeting, who are not meeting up to the standard. There's some of us who, while we feel very comfortable here, not going to make it there. Understand that there is a great day coming. And you, individually, will be asked about your faithfulness. You find it in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 27. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that, notice this word, underscore this word, doeth the will of my Father. But I know, whoa, let's go back. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father. Yeah, but what about, let's go back. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Here's your underscore, but he that doeth the will of my Father. You notice from 21 through 27, there is no exceptions or inclusions for yeah, but. This is individual for each of us as we stand before the God of all heaven and earth. And I'm going to have to stand there and look him in his proverbial eyes and give him an answer for what I have done. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? It's it's almost a scary thought, isn't it? The one who has the ability and has the power to create everything and sustain everything and and save everyone who will do his will. I have a date to speak with him. Notice this about that day. If, If you're going to be asked about your faithfulness, here's where our bulletin will come in. Let's see if we can give an answer. You ready? What do you know, or do you know God, number one? Be cautious before you circle a yes or a no. Because what this doesn't ask you is this. Do you know about God? Have you heard of God? Are you aware that there is a God? That's not the question. Do you know God? Now, that's a whole different ball of wax right there, isn't it? This idea is, do you have a relationship? Is he your father? 
And I'm often reminded in, of Luke chapter 16, or Luke chapter 15, rather, when I think of that father figure known as God. I'm often reminded of what goes on behind the scenes when the young boy is off into that hog pen or when that older boy is off into those fields. I'm often reminded of how he, how he conducts himself and, and how he makes himself available for both. I'm often reminded of how he sees that boy afar off. And then Luke would write by the inspiration of God, not only does he see him, as he's looking out there, as he has compassion on him. Do you know God? If the only thing you know about God is 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8, God is love, and, and that is a fact. If that's the only thing you know about God, you don't know God. You know an aspect of God, but you don't really know God. Do you know Hebrews chapter 12, the last verse there would say, Our God is a consuming fire. Would you know that the books of, uh, of Genesis and Exodus would mention the might and the power of God more than any other books in the Bible? Do you know what he does? Who he is? And that he is the only source of salvation for us? Do you know God? Now, move over to the right and circle yes or no. You know him? If you know him, then you obviously know his plan, right? Well, don't be too quick. Do you know his plan starts before John 3 and verse number 16? That's a good encapsulation of that plan, but it starts way before that. Matter of fact, it starts uh, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 would tell us it starts before even the foundations of the world. Did you know God created us knowing that we would have free will and knowing at some point in time, and I think he knows exactly the time, when we're going to fail him. Knowing we're going to walk away. Knowing I'm going to turn my back on him and walk right into something that is not beneficial for me at all. And I'm going to forget what he has to say or how he wants me to live. And I'm going to do my own thing and be my own man and sentence myself to hell. But knowing God as a loving, caring, powerful God, a jealous God, I also know that he is prepared for every possibility. And he creates a plan to save mankind that begins by hearing what he has to say. Hearing what God has to say. You know, it's hard to do what God wants us to do without knowing what 
God wants us to do, isn't it? He wrote it down in a book. Best-selling book in the history of man. How many of you own one copy of the Bible? How many of you speak English? One copy, two copies, five copies, ten copies. You'll get, let's go with it. Twenty copies. I think that's just me and you. More than twenty copies. You ever read one of them? You see me not laughing? Because that's where his plan is. You've got to read this thing. You've got to know what his plan says. You've got to hear what he has to say through his word. Then you've got to believe that. You have to. Because if you don't believe it, you're not going to do anything with it. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6, For without faith it is impossible to please him. For they that come to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If I believe God's word with all my heart, that he saves those who follow him, that he punishes those who are wicked, then I am bound and determined to follow him. Whatever he says, however he says, do it. If he says, repent of my sin, like he does in Luke 13, verse 3, I'm going to do that. If he says, confess that Jesus is the Christ, like he says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33, I'm going to do that. If, uh, my granddaddy used to say, if he said, you're going to have to swim across a pool of buttermilk, would you do that? I don't know. I don't like buttermilk. What if he says, be baptized in water for the remission of sins? What if he says, to be raised to walk in a newness of life, will you do that? Because that's how you become a child of his. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38, um, Romans chapter 1 verses, or 6, verses 1 through 4. That's his plan. That's not all of his plan because his plan ends by saying this, and you're going to be tempted. And if for some opportunity you decide to take your eyes off of what is truly important and you go back into the world, please come back home. Please, restore yourself to faithfulness. Acts chapter 8, as is told to Simon the sorcerer. Do you know the plan of Jesus, or the plan of God? I hope you do, I just told it to you. Do you know the sacrifice of Jesus the Christ? You know what that question really says? Do you know how valuable you are? That God would send His Son, His, His second person of the Godhead in the flesh to come here and to die. Now stop before you get too far down the path of what happened to take His physical life because I want you to try to wrap your mind around some sort of, of oddity. Are you aware that an eternal God came here, put on a cloak of flesh in order to die. An eternal God died. Is that even possible? Only with Jesus the Christ. Well, why? Because you are that valuable. Don't raise your hand because this might be embarrassing, but how many of us including me, sell ourselves short because we don't understand our value. Do you understand the sacrifice of Jesus the Christ? That the, the internal God came to this earth to die 
for you. Forget everyone else in this room. Take them out of your mind and out of your sight, even if you have to close your eyes and wrap your mind around the fact that God died for you, period. Now you're beginning to learn the sacrifice of Jesus the Christ. Jesus is an interesting case study as we find him in the back of the garden in all four accounts of the gospel. And you and I recall as he's praying through that prayer, and we've looked at the word nevertheless, how he, how he doesn't want to do it, but, but he's going to follow God's will, whatever the cost is. If you begin to look at his attitude from that point in time where he's sweating drops of blood to the point where they arrest him and he goes through the rest of that, it seems like a weight is lifted off of him. I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do your will, so here we go. Hmm. You know why the sacrifice of Jesus should be so poignant in our minds today? Because if, if I'm not aware of my value, at least he was. Notice this next one. Do you know right from wrong? For some of our younger in this room, they may say, yeah, right is when you don't get a spanking, but wrong is when you do. Yeah, that's probably truth, but you don't understand right from wrong yet. You understand consequences, but you don't understand right from wrong yet. Right from wrong is my ability to understand what the right path is, or what the wrong path is, and to be able to decide to walk down one to be pleasing or to be self-serving and walk down the other. Whatever the cost is, I'm just going to follow myself. Whatever the cost is, I'm going to follow God. Now you understand right from wrong. Notice number five. Do you, do you know God's plan, Jesus' sacrifice, and my faith? All of those things is not based on some warm, fuzzy feeling inside. So, Miss Brandy last night cooked a cake. And it was later in the evening, later than I care to uh, eat most of the time, but it was, it was warm, and it smelled like cake. You know the smell. And uh, it had been sitting in there for a few minutes, cooling down. I didn't invite anybody to go with me. I didn't care if they went at all. But when I stood up out of that recliner, I knew I was going in there to get some of that cake. End of story. So I thought. I had a warm, fuzzy feeling about 4.30 this morning. That would... Um, Mimic a little bit of heartburn. You know that wasn't God trying to tell me anything. You know, when I stood up, I knew exactly what happened and why it happened. 
And if that same cake in that same way was presented tonight, uh, that I would wake up tomorrow morning at 4.30 also, because I'm still going to eat it. The idea of things happening to me physically for God to show me what's going on is absurd. The fact of the matter is, he talks to you and he talks to me the same exact way through his Holy Scripture. He expects the same exact thing from you and me. It's not based on how I feel, what I think, or what I know. Because if you'll remember at the beginning of this sermon, there's still that great day that's coming. Whether or not I read about it, whether or not I have any feelings about it. There's never been a time where I have read through the Bible. Maybe, you, maybe you've caught it because you've read it longer than me, but, but not me. I've never read through the Bible any part where God says, Now, Billy, is this okay? Would you, would you like to change anything here? It's not God's plan. That's not Jesus' sacrifice. And that's not how my faith is supposed to be based. Now, According to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen for. By it, the elders... Do you want to quote that whole chapter? That whole chapter deals with how my faith is based. And when those examples start, you see command, you see faith, you see action. Every time. My faith is not based on some more fuzzy feeling. Do you know that? Know this. Do you know that every sin that has been committed and that ever will be committed on this earth is committed against God? Genesis chapter 37 gives us a perfect example of the wording that we should be thinking about every time we have a decision to sin or not, where, where uh, Joseph would say, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Every single one of them. You're talking about even the ones that he doesn't know. <laughs> There's not one that he doesn't know. There might be ones that we don't know. There might be ones that we don't see. Every sin. The word dealing with iniquity One of those five words for sin. Most of the time we, we look at and we will say something like lawlessness. And, and that's, that's adequate, but it, it doesn't paint the picture the same way. Uh, the idea of the word iniquity in, in the idea of sin is for me to, with a white-knuckled fist, shake it before God and saying, I'm going to do what I want to do and I don't care what you say. Can you imagine? Do you understand that every sin is against God himself? Do you understand that according to uh, Isaiah chapter 53 and verse number 12, that God's wrath against sin must be appeased? 
In Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2, Isaiah writes to the nation of Israel, and the principle is still the same for us. And he says, do you not know that your sin is what separated you and God? His, his shoulder's not so, so uh, un, uh, unhealthy that he can't carry the load. His ear's not so waxed dull that he can't hear you. His eyes are not so covered up that he can't see you. But it's your sin. It's your sin that's caused the rift. Isaiah 53, verse number 12, Isaiah would write about Jesus the Christ, the one who's going to be on the cross, where he would say, And God shall see the travail, see the pain and the anguish of his soul, and be satisfied. And that dealing with the wrath toward mankind. God shall see that sacrifice, and then his wrath will be satisfied. But if God doesn't see that sacrifice in my life, where's that wrath going to go? Do you know that day's coming? Do you know doing anything else than what God has prescribed to, to appease God and His wrath? Anything else, less or more? Did you know that's going to send me to hell? Individually, I'm going to send myself because I either want to add to what God has to say or I want to take something out of it. But it is found in Deuteronomy chapter 4, Proverbs chapter 30, and the last chapter of the book of Revelation where God says three times in his word, don't you add to it or take away from it. You think it's important if he says it at the beginning, in the middle, and at the end? It's important if he says it one time. How much more important is if he says it three times? Now, as we've gone through this, and you understand that there is a great day coming, here's where you get to participate. Are you ready? On that little uh, outline there in your bulletin, there's an X with a line by it, almost like a contract. And underneath it, it says, I am ready to meet God on that great day. Well, are you? Sign it. Or, if you look at it and say, I can't, change it. Do you, how much time do you have? We know that that great day is ever marching forward toward us. And if I'm not ready to meet God, I need to be now. And I need to stay ready from now till then. You've heard what God's plan is in order to become His child. You've heard what God's plan is in order to come back home and be faithful to Him. So if you can't sign it, change it. Right now while we stand and sing. Oh.